a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a great adventure took place. I'm going to regret this. This is ridiculous. Sword fight. Star Tours announces the boarding of the Endor Express, non-stop star speeder service to the moon of Endor. All passengers, please prepare for immediate boarding. No! Cannot get your ship off. <laughs> Lando Calrissian is a positive role model in the realm of science fiction fans. Fuck Lando Calrissian. And now... Together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. We would be honored if you would join us. Hello and welcome to Star Wars Monthly Monday number 22. I am Chris Honeywell. And I'm Scott Gardner. And we're two true freaks. And <laughs> I am here and I keep feeling like I've already... Um, gloated over this, but I think I've only mentioned since our recording schedule so weird. I've had these items for a few months off eBay, but I think I've only on other shows just sort of hinted about how I was going to gloat over them. So I'm going to take this opportunity now. You mentioned the first one, yes, but I I don't think you'd actually got the other ones. No, yet I hadn't. I time. hadn't won the other ones, and the other right. I won them from the same people. And and it, it, what I'm talking about is some uh, Star Wars Weekly comics, the British Weekly Marvel Star Wars. <coughs> Pardon me, I picked up some sort of bug, <clears throat> so I'm a little bit phlegmy tonight. Awesome, but um, <laughs> yeah, I won number one of the Star Wars Weekly from 1978 um, on eBay for 99 cents. And then they had a whole bunch of other ones on there for 99 cents. And for some reason, I didn't bid on them. And nobody bid on them. And then they relisted them. And there were, what? let's see, there were five of them. And uh, they relisted all five of them for 99 cents. And this time, I won. So it was a good thing I, I missed it. So I've got number four, number five, a number 10, number 14, and number 19. I've just got three little words for you. And they're not going to be good. You, you lucky fuck. Because yeah. <laughs> I've been watching those Star Wars. I of course, though, I, I haven't been watching the early numbers, but I've been looking for the the ones. I, I can't remember exactly where they are. It's like in the late 50s up leading up to like issue 60 or something yeah. like that. It's, it's that one storyline. That hasn't been reprinted here in the States yet. I've been looking for that one. So I hadn't ever looked at the early issues, and they didn't come up on any searches or what. But whenever something does come up, I can't believe how crazy expensive those damn things are. 
So to score five of them in one lot for 99 cents, it's Well, like, how damn. they went through two auctions at 99 cents, and it's not like they were bad auctions. It's not like the people took crappy pictures or they weren't the greatest pictures, but they were no better than anybody else's pictures or no worse. Right. And uh, it's, you know, they had all the, the right words in the in the title and everything and in the right category as all the other ones, but nobody bid on them. Speaking of pictures, thank you very much for scanning some of the yeah. stuff in those it's, issues for me, by it, the way. I really appreciate it. And you put some of that stuff up Facebook, on our uh, yeah. If, if anybody's page, Facebook yeah. friends, I put a bunch of the covers up and some of the backs of them. There was a, a great ad for the Micronauts on number one. Yeah. It proved a point that I'd been trying to make about <laughs> mi- Microtron's obscene little screw attachment. And now you can see it in full glory. <laughs> so, yeah, I put up some of the covers out there and... Uh, yeah, this is, I mean, the covers on these, some of them are priceless. There's one from number four, you know, of a Star Destroyer bearing down on the cockpit of the, the Millennium Falcon. And, you know, every and it, of course it's the typical Marvel, you know, humongous cockpit. And everybody but Princess Leia is just standing in there look, looking out at the Star Destroyers. And Ben Kenobi looks for all the world like a sort of pissed off George Lucas. Maybe like George Lucas with a little bit of uh, um, Charles Bronson thrown in. <laughs> and it's... Uh, Charles Bronson as Ben Kenobi. Exactly. Yeah, I, and, and and that battle with Darth Vader might not have come out the way it is if it had if uh, Charles... Charles Bronson wouldn't have just, like, let Darth Vader cut him in half. But uh, now that I'm looking at it, it's Dave Cockremart on this one. And then there's another one with a very badly proportioned Millennium Falcon getting sucked into the Death Star. And the Millennium Falcon's so big, it's like twice as wide as the uh, the docking port. So I don't know how that's supposed to work. And it says, Phase 1, the attack. Phase 2, the capture. It sounds like this. Scream! <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> We're going to need a bigger docking board. And then, you know, so since these are these are like a, a way more, you know, there's they're sh- less content than the Marvel ones, so they're stretched out. So no, l- number 10 of this is when they're getting to the Rebel base on Yavin, and it's like Holy shows shit. them all sitting in a like a mine car with their weapons drawn and like guns pointing at them. And at last, Luke enters the hidden fortress. And there's no so turning wonder- back. I wonder how many issues the adaptation took in England then, because if it went 12, it then went that thir- means basically they were doing a half a, it went 13. an issue. It went 13 oh, wow. because number 14 is the first issue post all new Hansel and Chewbacca trapped on the planet of terror. And it's the. How the hell did they split six issues up in over 13? Well, they they just would cut it off on a page and have filler it. You know, there's there's some John Byrne art in here. There's one. It's not Rog or Raj or whatever, but it's a story about a robot. And uh, huh. there's uh, some John Byrne Star Lords. It doesn't have any nudity in it, does it? No. Because there's a great <laughs> story that's in. The robot's a lot like Rog. Or Roger. I want to say it was in the art of John Byrne, possibly. But there was this great story, and I think it was reprinted from somewhere, possibly somewhere in England, although I, I can't remember. It was this story where this guy goes down to a planet, and 
the only thing that's living down there is this naked woman. And he ends up uh, having a relationship with her and everything. But through the course of the story, he thinks that uh, he, he finally puts together this theory that uh, this giant robot that he keeps spotting almost like in a Bigfoot kind of way. Uh-huh is this woman like somehow she turns into this robot or something it's a really cool story i can't remember what the hell the name of it was i wondered if maybe that was the story that was in there because it's it's got a great twilight zone like twist ending to it it's really cool and uh there's there's a watcher story that has uh uh steve ditko art Hmm. and i believe there's an another one with um gene colin doing something um So there, it's full of neat ads, and then there's just things that are different in Britain. Like there's a lot of soccer card ads and stuff like that. And uh... <laughs> I like the extra art that you're getting in there, you know, because not only do a lot of the issues have an extra, you know, a, a, a new cover that we didn't get here in the states, but then some of the inside front covers had like pinup art too. And some of that, a lot of that stuff was done by. Uh... Tony Dezaniga, mm-hmm. who's you know he's just one of my favorites, but it's there's, it's really funny great to, me to see him doing Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got the his Chewbacca was a little bit wonky. He's got the though, wild and woolly look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they're just they're just great, and they're you know they're just everything about them's just a little different. You know, they're a little bigger than like the the dimensions of them are a little bigger than normal comics and. They're in black and white. No, are you, have you caught the collector bug on those? Are you going to try to get more of them? Well, if I could get them for 99 cents like that. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I would like to get some more of them, but I haven't seen any that are, you know. I mean, at this point, I don't want to. I, there's nothing that I have to collect bad enough to where I'm except for Marvel Star Wars, and I'm down to just a few issues of that that I, like, I'm hell bent on getting where I'll pay, you know, where I'll pay what I have to. Like I'm gonna have to pay what I have to pay probably to get Star Wars number 107. There's just probably no getting around it, and I will do it because I want to have it. I want to complete my Marvel Star Wars before we actually get to that issue, so I could actually read the actual issue. But you know, I mean, not, I, I they're cool, but not not enough to spend 14 15 20 25 dollars on a single issue yeah. of them you know and especially since most of them are in england these ones were here in america so i didn't have to you know a lot of times the postage on them is as much as the book itself right <clears throat> so what you're paying 13 dollars for is ending gonna end up costing you really 26 dollars or 20 you know 25 bucks and ah, i just don't have I don't have the money or the the desire to spend that much on comics. I'm sure someday there'll be ones that I do, but there's too many of them. Maybe if I had only like four or five issues to complete it, but nah. Nah. You got a hell of a good deal on them. I I, I will admit to being very jealous. I think that's very, very cool. Because up until, you know, except for those... I think I've got, I'm pretty sure I've got every reprint there is of the original six issues. You know, the, the ones right. that adapt the, the actual movie, except for the, the British reprints. So that's, I think that's cool. Uh, I, you know what, I can't believe that there's not CBRs. Because actually that's something where yeah, I would I'm content surprised. myself with CBRs of that material. Because all I want 
is the bonus R. You know, I just want to see the the you know extra covers that were created for the for the British release. That's, well, that's all. I just want to see they're, the extra they're, stuff. they're plastered with you know all the ads are di- everything is is novel in it. You know, when you open it up, there's very little in it that except for the actual story <laughs> that is familiar at all. Now, do you have the issue where Luke races back to the uh, his aunt and uncle's farm? farm? I don't think. Let's see. What's because I'm curious what he shouts. If you do have that issue, well, if it would be, it would be in this one, in issue four. And let's see where this goes up to. No, issue four starts right at Mos Eisley. Ah. Well, if anybody, if any of our listeners out there know that, what what Luke shouts, I'd be very curious to find out because. Uh, I've got something I want to talk about briefly right here that uh, I want to encourage our listeners to run right out and buy if you are so inclined. I finally got it. It finally came in my uh, comics order. Star Wars Omnibus, Volume 1, a long time ago. This uh, is from Dark Horse, and it reprints the first 27 issues of that Marvel comic stuff. It's pretty. It is so pretty. Oh, the art is just, it really pops being on this glossy paper. You know, it's really nice. Um, I can't tell if it's recolored or not, or if it's just that it's cleaned up, but it looks, I mean, it really looks so fantastic. I mean, I've read these stories a million times, especially the first six issues that adapt the movie. So I, I wasn't really sure. You know, how new could it look? How fresh could it look? You know, how prettied up could it really be? Well, it can be really, really pretty because this is just a beautiful collection. And what's even cooler than that is once you get past the movie, you know, you've got the Waterworld story and all these other things. You've got the first appearance of Valance the Cyborg. You've got that, you know, story of of, uh, Luke's flashback to his days living on Tatooine and all that. Great, great stuff. It's really nice. It doesn't look like they they did anything as far as changing or altering anything because that was the one thing I was afraid of is I actually wouldn't mind if they recolored it. I actually uh-huh. wouldn't even mind if they touched up the art, but I really can't stand it when things are reprinted and and tout themselves as, you know, a faithful and they change the re-release. whole layout of it. Yeah, and they change shit around or whatever. Well, I noticed as I was flipping through this that uh, when Luke races back to the farm, he does shout, um, Aunt Brew, Uncle Ben. So they didn't change anything. I love it. I, I love that, <laughs> that they left in the original flub. Because I thought for sure they'd change it. Because most... Because some, some hungry letterer was just sitting in their house looking at their Uncle Ben's rice on the cupboard. <laughs> I, you know, most uh, retellings, you know, reprintings of this that I've seen have changed it. You know, they've altered it. And I'm I'm really thrilled that this one didn't. I love that, that they kept it faithful. And uh, I was also noticing, I forget which issue it was here. There was a really great page that uh, I just, I have to point out that uh, I don't think Jolly's boobs ever looked better than they do in this uh, printing uh, here. They paid, or Leia's for that matter. They paid some so. extra attention. Good. There you go. It's it's really well worth the price, though. However, there was one thing that did bug me a little bit. It's a minor thing, Everybody's but I got thought their it was big worth... butt. 
Yeah, there you go. This is the back cover copy. It says, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. With those words, the world was plunged in the epic adventure that continues to this day on television, in novels, in video games, and in comic books. From July 1977 to September 1986, Marvel Comics Group published monthly comics based on the wildly successful Star Wars film franchise. When looking back at these early adventures with the advantage of hindsight, Uh the quote-unquote mistakes, such as the idea that Darth Vader and Luke's father were two different people, are obvious. But at the time, the Star Wars galaxy was a great unknown. While there has been much discussion over the years as to how, where, and even if these stories fit into the official Star Wars continuity, there is no denying their charm and their power to entertain. Collected here are the first 27 issues of Marvel Comics' Star Wars series launched in 1977, the same year as the first film, beginning with the uh, comics adaptation of A New Hope. I don't know. Is it just me, or does that sound well, it's Dark Horse a little re- bit it's, kind it's of Dark Horse reprinting it? Come on, you know. Yeah. So the you know, of course, you got to get some little sideways jab in, or you know, or. But it's like you know, do you want to sell this or do you not want to sell this? You know, I mean, regardless of who originally put it out and how whatever you might think of it, now you own it. Now you're the one trying to make uh, you know a buck off of it. Why would you put it down right there on the on the back cover copy? You know, so I don't know. It was, I just I thought it worth pointing out. Plus the fact that uh, that it says that it starts with the comic adaptation of A New Hope. No, it doesn't. God damn it! <laughs> it starts with Star Wars. It starts no. with Star Wars. Now I think most of the people <laughs> that are going to be buying it and getting it weren't there the first time around. Are going to be people mm-hmm. who are, so so they might you know. That's that's just their way of saying, you know, if it if it's not as, you know, up as as serious and, you know, as the dark horse ones, well it was, you know, back back in the old days, so you know, you gotta give it that kids. I'll tell you one thing that is really cool though. The uh cover is recolored. The cover is uh the cover to Star Wars number oh, one mean, by Marvel. Oh, you mean so Darth Vader isn't green anymore? Yeah, he's not green. He's now blue, you know, the blue-black uh-huh. that they do for comic books. His eyes now look like he's looking at fire. So it's like ref- it, it almost looks like fire is being reflected oh, in so his so he doesn't look like a human fly shades. anymore? Yeah, exactly. Leia's hair, it's not the color. What color was it before? It was like red yeah. or something, right? It's still kind of red-ish. But it's more brown. Than, yeah, they, they've kind of changed it a little bit. It's it's more brownish than reddish, but it's got sort of a little bit of a reddish tint to it. But but Obi-Wan and Luke are now both holding blue lightsabers. And uh, I think the only person that hasn't been altered... Yeah, Han Solo's gun has been changed to where his gun is actually like a gunmetal collar. Uh-huh. But the rest of him, he's still got the tan shirt for some reason i don't know why they didn't they didn't change that but they changed the color his gun was like a bright purple before so now he's got like a, a less like barbie looking gun <laughs> but, but it's, it's cool i, I really I, i'm looking forward to um, i'm actually i am gonna sit down and uh, and try to reread this sometime soon even though we've just covered these stories within the past year or so i'm still looking forward to, to sitting down and going through it just for the the beautification of the art it is so pretty I really like it. I might have to pick that up. 
And uh, I'm waiting on the second one to come now. I ordered the second one, and that one runs 28 through... I'm not sure what issue. It's it's just post the adaptation of Empire. So somewhere in the in the 40s, but I'm not sure exactly what issue it cuts off at. I'm looking forward to that. I think it cuts off just before... It's going to get you almost up to Daytonis, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm looking forward to seeing 49 recolored. I've I've still never seen that, but I've read about it somewhere. I don't know, on the internet or something. Somebody telling how beautiful 49 was, recolored to where you could actually make sense of like, you know, the art and what was supposed to be happening and so but I've never seen it. So I'm hoping that the recolored version is the one that'll make it into the the whichever omnibus that story eventually winds up in either the second one or the the third one. But uh yeah, definitely worth it. I thought they were really cool. Lastly, I wanted to talk briefly about um, the uh, Star Wars. You know, it's got several different names, actually. You could call it Star Wars Clone Wars, those trade paperbacks. Uh Those they were actually reprintings of like the later, like the latter half of the Star Wars series. It started out was called Star Wars. And then somewhere in the 40s, it changed to Star Wars Republic. And then right around the time it changed to that title, it started covering the Clone Wars era of Star Wars and like keeping concurrent with the movies right from, you know, that that gap between episode two and episode three. Finally finished reading it um, just a couple of days ago. Man, was it good. It was so good. It was really. Yeah. Well, the one with um, Mace Windu on it. Well, uh, the whole series right up through the last because those those trades nine of them aren't there. Nine of them, yeah, yeah. I read them all, and wow, are they good? They are I've really, got the first really good. One, so, yeah, you need to dig into that because I'm really curious to see what you're going to think of it. It because looks really good. I th- I think you could definitely dive right in with the, you know because the the trades were put out as Clone Wars, you know, one through nine. So they they evidently they thought that you could dive Start right in with there, the first. Yeah. That's what I figured. It. Yeah, and and I think you can. But I think it's definitely worth also backtracking and getting all the issues that lead up to that before the title change to to Star Wars Republic, because that stuff was good, too. And the character the arguably the main guy that you'll end up following in that Clone Wars series is uh, the Jedi Knight um, Quinlan Vos. And he had a lot of adventures before the book went to that Clone Wars era. So he was introduced a lot earlier than that. Because that Star Wars book actually starts pre-Phantom Menace. And it starts out, and at the beginning it was actually focusing on Chaoti Mundi, the guy with the big, tall, skinny head. Um, you know, the, the Je- he was on the Jedi Council. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know the guy I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, I know the about. guy you're talking about. He looked like... And he, he looked went- like um... Mac tonight. You remember him? He was an old McDonald's <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, spokesperson. Yeah. <laughs> when the clock strikes half past six, babe, time to head for golden light. It's a good time for a great taste dinner. Yes, he did. Yeah. So it followed him for a while. 
and those stories were pretty good. They were pretty exciting. And then at some point, it kind of switched over, and you start following Quinlan Voss, and that leads you right up into, um, you know, right concurrent with when uh, Attack of the Clones happened. And then as soon as that happens, then that's when everything switched over and started following the Clone Wars era. And then it got really exciting. And for a while, there was a couple stories that had adventures with uh, with Anakin and with Obi-Wan. But eventually it switched back to where you mostly follow Quinlan Voss. And I just I found it really, really good. It was really exciting, especially the stuff that didn't focus on any of the main characters you know like Anakin or Padme or Obi-Wan or any of those guys because again it, it brings you that sense of you don't know what's going right. to happen you know you don't know where these people are going to wind up and in the case of Quinlan Voss, I had no idea you know if this guy was going to survive the purge or not you know the the order 66 so that added a lot of drama to it as well it was really exciting so I'm curious for when you start reading that what you're going to think of it because I would highly recommend it both to people that like the prequels, that enjoy the Clone Wars and, and all the, the adventures that are going on there. But also, I'd like to really highly recommend this to um, listeners that are Star Wars, you know, that consider themselves Star Wars fans that really enjoy Star Wars. But they're not all that warm on the prequel stuff because I think this was really exciting. I think it took the world of the pre, you know, the setting of the prequels and ran in a much more Star Warsy direction. It feels more like classic Star Wars, despite the setting that it's in of, of, you know, obviously being in the prequel timeline. So somebody like, say, our friend Eric Peterson, who I know really doesn't like the prequel stuff, I'd like to know what he thinks of this. I, I'd like to encourage him to read it and give it a try and see what he thinks, because I loved it. I thought it was really, really... It's, it's good Star Wars, and it's good comics something that I think uh, we just can't get enough of <laughs> in modern day. My one quibble with it, though, and I don't know if this is really a fair criticism of this particular project, but I just happen to note that, you know, between these comics and the novels that I've been reading, because I'm now up to the post-Order 66 era of Star Wars in the, in the Expanded Universe novels... So between these comics and between all the novels, man, it sure seems like a hell of a lot of Jedi survived Order 66. You know, because every new one I'm picking up seems to be following at least one Jedi. Well, in the sometimes several of in, them that survived. In the movie, I was surprised so many Jedi got wiped out because they're Jedi. Right. Even even with the clone troopers being so trained and having the jump on them, they still know how the clone troopers fight anyway, and they're Jedi. You know, you'd think a certain number of them would get away. I, yeah, I agree with you, and you know, because that was one of the things. As much as I really like that scene in Episode Three where they're taken down, I think there's only so many of them that you could catch with the element of surprise. Yeah. Because in that montage scene of their deaths. That it does seem to be the way the ones that we see die. That seems to be the way that they all die. That they're all like, "Whoa, whoa, wait!" And you know, by the time they realize their troops have turned on them, they're dying. Yeah, you know. So you would think that, well, logically, if there were thousands and thousands of Jedi's out there, that yes, yeah, some of them had to have, 
you know, sensed something or been in a position to defend themselves well, or whatever. they were all in the chaos of battle for the most part, so there, you know, there were just right. many opportunities for escape in the chaos, you know, it would seem. I guess what bugged me was just the sense that the movie, at least to me, it really seemed like the, and I forget how this was in the in the novel. Damn, I read the novelization, now I can't remember how the novel painted the picture. But in the movie, didn't it really give you the feeling that Obi-Wan and Yoda were the only ones left? Uh, I, well, yes, but I think they left it still vague because, mm-hmm. because Obi-Wan and Yoda were still also concerned enough to go back to the Jedi Temple to change the message to make sure right. that no more Jedi would be lured in tra- into a trap. So I think... I, I got the impression that they they thought they could be the only ones left, but if there were was anybody left, they weren't going to be coming out anytime soon. They were going to be right. laying low and disappearing and staying out of the limelight. So it just it it's weird because I'm glad that there are some that we can follow because I think that makes it exciting going into that interim period between three and four. But it's just, it's a little bit, I don't even know what the word is, off-putting maybe, or a little bit, uh, it just gets a little old where everything that you pick up, like, you know, I'll spoil just a little bit of, of this Clone Wars thing. At the end of this, there is a group of survivors at the end. I won't tell you who's in it, but there is a group of survivors. That goes, you know, this series ended... And then it goes into a, you know, there was a new series that started up that was Star Wars Dark Times. That series has Jedi survivors in it. And then there was the Karen Travis books, you know, that that ended with uh, the 501st. That book had several Jedi survivors in it. Then there was the Rise of Darth Vader book. That book had several Jedi survivors in it. Right now I'm reading the first one of the, uh, those, uh, I think they're called Coruscant Knights books. And so far, it's really good, by the way. That book starts out, and there's Jedi survivors. And it's like, damn, everything that's taking place in this post-Order 66 world that I'm reading, every single one of it has survivors. So it's like it just starts to chip away at this idea that, well, they were all wiped out. you know. Well, they weren't because there was a whole lot of them left. So it just has a cumulative effect of kind of chipping away at how... Uh, big a deal the purge you know that that one event you know the order 66 event really was and but what's but it's also kind of cool on the flip side though that the purge becomes something that didn't happen all in a day no it becomes a thing where there was that was vader's obsession yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah so i do so yeah i I like i do like that aspect of it as well i just i just picked up the latest purge comic is that the one that I was recommending? It's all painted, and Darth yeah. Vader fights this big thorny Rancor-like thing. And what did you think? It of was that? awesome. It was awesome. That, it was not only beautiful to look at, but it was pretty well written too. That shot of him jumping down off the wall onto the rebels wasn't that yeah. awesome. Yeah, I loved that. I usually don't go for that painted style, but this is really moody and dark and yeah. it, I, I really liked it and it it also illustrated uh, you know, a little bit more of the relationship between Vader and the and the Emperor where at the end he's, you know, he's like I'm gonna let you sit here and think about your failure for a little while, you know, scolds him right. like a little kid 
There have, to my knowledge anyway, there have been three of those purge one-shots now. The nice thing about them, you don't have to have read anything else to to get into them and enjoy them because they're strictly one-shots. You know, so long as you've seen the prequel movies, you're going to know what's going Mm -hmm. on, basically. The last one, or excuse me, the first one um, that I think was simply just called Star Wars Purge, that one's reprinted in either the last or next to the last of those Clone Wars trade paperbacks. I think it was the very last one. Um, great story in that one. And then there was another one that was a one-shot that was called, I think it was called Seconds to Die or something like that. Not quite as good as the first one or the one that just came out, but it's still really good. It was really cool. That one I liked because the, uh, you know, in each one of them, basically, it's it's Vader on his campaign to find Jedis that, that survived Order 66. And that particular one, the Jedi he goes up against figures out who Vader really is, or rather, who Vader was. And that kind of added an interesting uh-huh. aspect to, to the fight that they inevitably have at the end of the thing, where this Jedi is kind of taunting him with, you know, the knowledge of he had been Anakin Skywalker. And basically, you know, look at you, look at what you've become, you know, you've betrayed, uh, you know, the Jedi Order and all this. And that added a nice element to it, rather than it just being you know, Vader hunting him down saying, you know, you can't possibly win and all that sort of thing. This time the tables were turned on Vader, Mm -hmm. you know, to where he was the one that was being psychologically battered, if you will. I I liked that. I thought that was really cool. It was a good story. But anyway, long story short, I really recommend that comic series. Highly recommend it. I've enjoyed the hell out of it. And I just started reading, uh, uh, dark times and uh, and I'm hoping to get into that one as much as the other one so far I haven't found characters in that yet that I, I've become really fond of or attached to the same way I did with uh, the characters in Star Wars Republic but they're they're growing on me so hopefully that story will uh, will develop but so far yeah interesting stuff that's all I got that's all I got too I say uh, we go and uh, visit our Clone Wars correspondent Todd Grady and uh, hear about some bad clones gone bad. Clones gone wild. Star Wars, the Clone Wars. Truth enlightens the mind, but won't always bring happiness to your heart. Someone is tattling on the Republic. Could a rogue clone be breaking the no snitching rule? All right, we're back with the Clone Wars segment of Star Wars Monthly Monday, and we've got our embedded Clone Wars correspondent Todd Grady on the horn. How you doing, sir? How you doing, doing great. How about you? <laughs> awesome, man. I don't know what Scott's no names g- he says. I don't know what Scott's <laughs> giggling about. Yeah. I, <laughs> I guess he must be doing pretty damn good, man. I'm. <laughs> I'm just in a happy, happy mood. I guess so. 
That's nice. So, this is an episode actually I've been waiting to to uh talk about with the with the rogue yes, clone trooper. And I think I actually got a little like corrected during our <laughs> We got dead air. <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought we lost Todd or something because it was just like dead air. You were like, this is the one we've been waiting to get to. And it was just like crickets. Creak, 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 creak. <laughs> nope, I'm still here. Okay. I was waiting for, oh, I thought Chris was going was gonna to lead into something else there. <laughs> yeah, I, I just remember when we did the last year at Dragon Con when we did. And, this, and what's funny is when this episode comes out, it'll be on the on Sunday of Dragon Con. So if there's anybody oh. listening to us at Dragon Con right now, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> we should be Hey, there. wait. Oh, wait, yeah. I'm not going to. It won't be. I'm not going to listen to you guys. Or I, yeah, I was just going to say, I, <laughs> I just can't picture you like, hey, you know, the new Two True Freaks podcast is out now, guys. Let's uh, download it. Let's call up, the, go up the room. Let's call up the hotel it. room and... and yeah, pay the $84 for internet. <laughs> per bite. But yeah, this is, you know, we, I think we talked last time about this episode that we were looking forward to, uh, looking forward to, to watching this one again. And and it's funny because I sort of got yelled at, I don't know yelled at, but corrected a little bit because I, I referred with, during the Clone, War pa- Clone Wars panel to this one being the one with the evil clone. Right, and everybody was like, "Ah, I don't think he was evil." And now, on watching it again, yeah, I don't think he was evil. He was just a rogue clone. Right. He well, and if you look at it from the other side, I mean, I asked my son what he thought of this one earlier today, and his take on it was exactly the you know almost exactly the opposite. You know, he was he thought it was a cool episode because you finally saw clones. You know, with a free will, with thinking on their own, you know, having some emotion, having some, you know, some some individual aspirations, and, and you know, he he wanted to get his brothers out of slavery. So, you know, from that point of view, it's exactly the opposite, almost. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that's that's what I really like about this. In a lot of ways, although this one doesn't have most action or whatever, in a lot of ways, this is probably my favorite episode of the series. Because I feel like this is the most important one for me personally. This this is the one that's that's touching on an area of the prequel universe that has always bothered me and that I always wanted to see explored more, which is how do the clones feel about their status in life? You know, how do they feel about the fact that you know, that they were bred to serve and die and that's pretty much it. And nobody really seems to take, you know, their situation or their status or their their station in life into account in all of this. And, you know, I've heard a lot of interesting things bandied about, about, you know, well, you know, it's wartime and, you know, it's not really the time to get into the moral dilemmas and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the Jedi don't like it, but, you know, and they've got to do what they need to do and you know all these excuses made but you know I I really like this one mainly for the confrontation at the end where the rogue trooper really just lays it out to them 
and tells the Jedi right to their faces that, you know, you're hypocritical bastards. I love that. You know, I've been waiting for that ever since the clones popped up in the second movie because it's just never set well with me that these guys to be these pillars of virtue in their universe really, you know, really aren't when it comes to this particular issue. And we, well, we sort of... Saw, where, uh-huh. there's, a line where Slick even, there's a line where Slick, where they first confront him, and he even yells back at him, no, you guys are the traitors. Right. <laughs> I think yeah. there was there was even a glimmer of this in episode one, now that I think the fact of... Uh, I forget who it is that says it. Maybe it's Anakin. I forget. But somebody says to Qui-Gon, uh, I, I think it is kid, you know, the little kid Anakin. I think he said something about, are you here to free us or free the slaves? And, and, and Qui-Gon's just like, no, you know, that's, that's not what I'm here to do. And he goes, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that was one of those moments. I remember watching that movie that, moments I really liked in that because I, I saw a lot of possibilities in that that little exchange between them and the fact that Qui-Gon to me seemed very uh, aloof just yeah very aloof and, and very dismissive of the fact that you know these people are living in slavery and theoretically at least you know wouldn't wouldn't he be morally obligated to do something about yeah, it. Yeah, but it's you know? a bi- it's a big universe, and he was a Jedi, and he had to be on the task at hand. You know, he couldn't be right. He couldn't right. Be, he couldn't save you know save the world constantly, or he wouldn't get what his main focus was done. You know, right. And he, and he probably thought if you're if all the rest of the slaves are as annoying as you, I damn sure don't want more of my <laughs> Right, right. That's just what I want is a bunch of you guys running around following me like, thank you for free. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, and whining about everything and yeah. You know. Are you an angel? Yeah, I'd put them all in a big barge and drop them off on the moons of a Yago. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know, I think the... Can, I know we could. You could probably go around and justify, or you know, argue the justification for the for the clones endlessly. But you know, I have always kind of taken it as if the Kaminoans are so good at making clones and you know, breeding them for a specific purpose, and they've probably done a pretty pretty good job of not making them necessarily subservient, but making them perfect soldiers. And that's what uh-huh. this is. What we're here to do. This is our sole purpose in life. You know, that one is that one's defective you know they they probably probably boxed them up and sent them back for you know a refund well (laughs) i i I was thinking that i was thinking you know you can't breed that completely out of them and have them be good warriors you can't have them not have a, a certain amount of free will and you know the the ability to improvise and to to sort of make their own decisions and even have their individuality so that you have a more nuanced fighting force. So you have to have a well, certain amount of that the in ones there. Officers. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and uh but I, I this also sort of is subverts like a lot of the stuff that I think is cool about this, but I was thinking the second time I watched this, what if Ventress or Palpatine um used a little bit of um order 66 programming on this 
this clone, you know? Maybe, maybe you know, manipulated him to, to get him to do that, you know, in the same way that they did them en masse in episode three, you know? There, there, maybe there was a little bit of, uh, you know, Manchurian candidate going on with this guy, too. Hmm. Well, and that's that, an inter- I think that kind of that explains a lot too, though, Chris. And that kind of maybe even goes back to the they are a step above a droid. You know, th- when they initiated Order sixty six, they turned and killed all the Jedi without malice, without hatred. They just did it. Their enemy was, just changed. Yeah, that was the order. the The directive just changed. This is no longer our enemy. You're now our enemy. We're going to do the most efficient thing possible to get rid of you. Yeah, and that's the scary thing about it is they didn't change. They were probably all the same guys. Like, after the battle, they were probably all goofing around afterwards. It's like, whoa, man, you know? And, yeah, their enemy just (laughs) all of a sudden changed. And as soon as it changed, they just (laughs) yeah turned right off onto one and right onto another. Which is mm-hmm. really scary, especially it. It makes it all the scarier with this Clone Wars series because now you're getting to actually know all those characters, and it's like you're thinking. So Rex is gonna just start wiping out Jedi's one of these days, you know. But I mean, That's that creepy. is what happens, though. I yeah. mean, you know, we we see that happen in Episode Three where. You know, Obi-Wan's cutting up and joking around with that one guy who actually hands him his lightsaber, lightsaber back. And two and seconds then, later, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as he rides away and Order 66 is given that same guy with absolutely no hesitation or thought of, oh, this is my buddy Obi-Wan. You know, he just he does what he's told and he and he attempts to take him out. And yeah, that that really is a scary thought. And one of the things I like is that you know, the, the, this episode goes along the same lines as some of the comics and, and novels I've been reading recently. Is I think it opens up the world much more from those three movies because those three movies present things in a way that a lot of times, you know, it, it, it seems like there's not a lot of room for interpretation, but then these episodes kind of do open them up. And I, I yeah. like that. You know, you see that these guys do actually think and have their own free will and their own thoughts and things rather than just blindly obey orders, which is what it kind of looks like in the movies. I mean, it presents it almost as as if Order 66 was a a switch that could be thrown, you know, like they were pre-programmed with this, whereas some of the novels, you know, make it more of, not so much programming is that, you know, an issue's ordered and then, you know, how rigid are they in the or that they'll actually follow it. And there are some that don't. And I'm not, I haven't decided personally which I like more. I, I like the angle of it could be a switch because I think that that's very scary. You know, that, that these guys could just blindly follow any pre-programming but on the other hand, I, I kind of like the you know the the free will moral ambiguity thing that that gets thrown into the whole mix too, where there there are some of them couldn't do it. So I don't know. I, I'm curious what you guys think about that. Well, I, I think it's only ever going to. I think the way they've set it up, and I haven't read many of the of the novels, so I can't really speak for that. But at least the feeling I get from this 
And then there's even, I think there's an episode in early on in season two where they find a clone who's gone native. Yeah. And he's you yeah. know, living on a planet by himself. And I think it just kind of shows that most of them are bred for this purpose. You know, they're all bred for the purpose, but most of them do what they're told. Most of them function properly, I guess. But there's going to be a few that since they're, since they're organic, there's always going to be a few that maybe their wiring's a little bit different. Maybe, you know, something's happened, you know, in their, in the cloning process or just throughout their own personal experience that's caused them to feel a little bit more individuality to see something beyond the next battle. Yeah. Well, it's sort of good to know that about, I like to, I like that about, I like that they're adding that about them, that the clones aren't completely, you know, inhuman because a, a good part of that, the, the first, you know, the episode one, two and three, a lot of the armies that are fighting are so impersonal, you know, you have robots right. in the first movie. And then after that, it's, it's clones, you know, and, so there isn't as much of that, you know, it's only the Jedi that are fighting that you can really identify with in in some way. So I'm I'm liking that this series is humanizing the clones more because I and I like that um and I you know, once again, like um all the rest of the George Lucas stuff, I don't think he plans this stuff out as much. I don't think he said when he made those first three movies. Now I'm going to make, I'll make a couple series after these movies come out that will shade in the movies and make the movies make more sense and everything like that. But that's sort of what happening with Clone Wars. And I'm curious to see if that's going to be the same thing that happens if they ever get that live action show off the ground. So I don't know. Last I heard, the live action show was sort of on indefinite hiatus because they can't figure out how to film it. That's what well I've heard enough. too. They, they just kind of had budget issues, and yeah, you know, realized it was going to be a, a ridiculous thing to try and do on a weekly basis. Well, I always think of it. I I always wonder why they don't just do this. Why don't they just film it, and when they're done? with a couple seasons, start releasing it. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, if it takes yeah. them a couple years, you know, and then they don't have to worry about deadlines or stuff, I'm sure they have the money to do that. I'm sure, you know, Lucas isn't operating on a shoestring. I would like to hope not. I think so. What they may be no. doing as well is they may be waiting for Clone Wars to play out and then they're going to go with the with the live action, you know, so that, you know, they're not... Flooding the market, so to speak. Competing with themselves. Make a last year. And I also believe that this show, if the movie didn't come out, if they would have, instead of putting the movie out, they would have put the three episodes that made the movie up, they would have been the episodes after this episode. Yeah, because I think this was the yeah. the, le- the lead up to to the movie because I I, yeah. I instantly recognize that city. Yep, and you even get yeah, a... they they said this was a lead up to uh, I saw a post online just now. This was a direct lead in because Asajj left the planet at the right time, and the, I guess it's that is the planet that they start on. Yeah, Christophsis or something like yeah. that. Right. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I love Jeanette. the look of that city and the planet blue. and everything. So I, I don't know if it's intentional, but it, it reminds me uh, a lot of the Emerald City from The Wizard of Oz. And there's even a little bit of John Byrne's Krypton in there, too, I thought. But yeah, it, yeah. It, one of the more... Uh, beautiful planets that they visit in star wars i really like the look of that planet well, it's the, pretty cool the buildings reminded me of this of 70s architecture that would have that tinted blue and green glass and stuff yeah and i really like the scene where anakin and the clone troopers are sliding from one building to another on the you know the grappling hook they shot across there yeah. was just one shot in there that was fantastic with a moving camera, and I loved how, you know, he was sliding towards the other building, but it was far enough away, so it wasn't moving. The camera was moving, but the background didn't look like it was getting any closer, and it just had a really amazingly realistic feel to it, and I just thought that was a really nice touch by whatever animators did that. They really brought out the natural feel of motion, you know, by actually underplaying some parts of it. I thought that was really cool. I thought the story was a little broken up, flashing between the two. Well, the everything outside of the, you know, the guys looking, you know, trying to figure out who the who the traitor was, everything with, with Anakin and Obi-Wan kind of seemed a little... Tacked on? Yeah, a little tacked on. I mean, it didn't really, you know, okay, so our super secret plan to find out what's going on is to get on speeder bikes and drive straight towards them. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then just, you know, the, the fight with Asajj, although it was a cool fight and Asajj Ventress is, is a, a really fun villain. Just, you know, it again, kind of seemed like it didn't really belong. You know, in the, in that episode anyway, it didn't really belong in that episode. Yeah. Uh, she's a good foil. I like yeah. her, interplay with obi-wan they're, yeah, they're mock yeah. mock flirting you know they're like yeah bizarre parody of, of flirtation is really that reminds cool. me this is probably a good place to, i've been looking for a place to to try to remember and and plug something that i really really highly recommend uh fans of of clone wars check out it was a miniseries. It's actually several years old now, but it was a Dark Horse miniseries. I forget how many issues it ran. I want to say between four and six. I, I'm, I'm not sure. And it was called uh, Obsession. Did either of you guys read that? No. I don't think so. It, it was really, really good. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure it came out at a time when the um, the the drawn clone Wars series was mm -hmm. out you know the the mm -hmm. what do they call it the, the micro series the tartakovsky yeah version. and in, in uh tells the end of asajj ventress because it takes place after um the, the way i had originally interpreted it when i read it was that it was taking place after um anakin thought he had killed uh ventress on at Yavin 4. Yeah, and at the temple. But then it actually falls somewhere else in continuity. They had another battle after that at some point where he thought he killed her again, and I think that was on Coruscant, if I remember. But anyway, she's believed to be dead, and 
uh, Obi-Wan, for some reason, is obsessed with proving that she's still alive and tracking her down. And so the story really revolves around that. And it adds a lot of tension between Obi-Wan and, and Anakin. It really builds up their tension because Anakin resents the fact that he doubts Obi-Wan... He killed her. Yeah. Yeah, it's his ability. Exactly. And uh, it, it was really a fantastic series. I, I highly recommend it. I, I, it was had fantastic art that was very reminiscent of Michael Turner, if you liked Michael Turner's art. It, it wasn't him, but it looked a lot like his stuff. Really fantastic art. Um, we get a reappearance by Dirge, who I kind of wish would come back because... Oh, yeah. You know, saw him in the micro series. Yeah, he was great. And he was in the... And then he's in this series. And, you know, if this series is considered canon, you know, and would tie into this actual Clone Wars series that was out, then this this is the last appearance of Ventress in this series. So at some point in the interim, Dirge could reappear because he's alive in that series. So I would love to see them do that. But the, one of the coolest things, just to spoil just a portion of it, is that we get the reveal at one point that Ventress knows of Anakin and Padme's marriage and goes after Padme. So there's a tease for you to want to read it right there. Uh, cool. Really, really good series. I, I highly, highly recommend it if you can find it to check out. Did they ever uh, wrap it up in a trade? I think so. I'm, I'm almost cool. positive because they really, Dark Horse really does a good job of uh, pimping and promoting their, their Star Wars stuff. So I'd be amazed if it hasn't been reprinted in the trade. Yeah, they they seem to be pretty meticulous about that. Yeah. Well, that's about all I got for this one. I can't remember what's coming up next month. Yeah, I don't remember what the next one is. You know, is it the beginning of the... You know what? Give me just a second. Virus? Oh, is it that one? It's a two-parter, I know that, because I saw the ad at the end yeah, of this, and they were the just point. like, it's almost the end of the first season, and we're giving yeah, you the- an, a story so big that it's two parts. That's all I remember. I'll be curious to see this one again and yeah, see if I like it better the second. Yeah, because I did not like that one the first time around, this so we'll was, see if I like it better the second time. That one also spawned a question at the Clone Wars panel from a little kid. That's right. Year. Yeah, Have you guys seen the trailer for... There's a teaser for Season 3. Yeah. Yes. Looks pretty... Uh, looks like they're definitely now getting into the, you know, into the meat of the war. I mean, it looks like it's really getting, yes. you know, action-oriented and very, you know, very dark, very, you know... Uh, I like that it's doing uh, that. Yeah. I'm very surprised that they... That they're doing that. I kind of, I kind of was figuring that the whole Clone Wars series would sort of be um, formulaic. It would be a good formula. It was. I figured it would be the formula of like half just sheer fun battle, and the other half having some sort of storyline. You know, whether it be a comedic right. one or, but you know, but nothing too intense. You know, just sort of a. Uh, you know, going back and forth between the, but each, you know, I mean, it's only been two seasons, but you could see the progress. And I mean, we're almost at the end of the first season, and they're starting to throw out stuff like this, this um, rogue clone, 
and it does the same thing. The second series starts off kind of light and keeps introducing more and more nuance as it goes along. So I'm hoping it looks like there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of um, bounty hunter action in yeah. season three too, which I yeah I'm happy about that. Well, you know, traditionally. And I, I can't remember the reason for this. I've heard the reason before, and now I cannot remember what it is. But traditionally, animated series, you know, successful ones, run five seasons, and that's it. I, it has something to do with how they're redistributed later in syndication. From what I've read, and I, you know, I take all these sorts of things with a grain of salt. But from what I've read, that's Lucas's well, five seasons, about a hundred episodes, and that's going to be it. So as we get into this third season, we're right in the middle of the intended run. And I would like to see it be the dark middle chapter. You know, following his standard right. formula of Star Wars films, the middle chapter is usually the the dark one. It sets up all of the, the uh, you know, t- tense situations and the peril and everything like that for the end right and from what i've seen in the trailers it kind of looks like that's where we're headed it it looks like we're headed darker and it looks like there's going to be some genuine peril and intrigue and all that so i'm really excited for the third season and i you know i didn't think so originally i i really doubted he was going to do anything uh final with um Ahsoka by the end of the series, but now I'm not so sure. I mean, I don't think she'll she'll be killed off in this season, but just with the the way some of the teasers look with her interaction with Yoda kind of leads me to believe that by the end of the series we may actually get an answer to the question of what happens to her. Yeah, they definitely do seem to be building some that she's getting some sort of premonitions. Right. And you know and that might you know that might come out to nothing that might come out to you know like one episode in it, and the premonitions are you know something that keys in the end of that episode, but right. I'm hoping it's more of a part of a larger arc sort of stuff because I like that so I love that shit l t s what else you got, Todd? anything else? No, man. Getting ready for uh, are getting you, ready for Dragon Con. Are yeah. either of you guys Blu-ray player people? Are you guys looking forward to Star Wars on Blu-ray? I have to I, confess, I'm, I don't really know what the hell the difference is. You know, I, I really definition. That's all. It's in. Yeah. It's, and and I've seen Star Wars in high definition, and it is beautiful. It's beautiful, but um, I don't have a Blu-ray player, so I'm not too excited about it. And I just can't get excited about buying Star Wars yet again, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and yeah. I, and buying it yet again, and yet it's again. It's a special not, edition, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, still not getting the theatrical release. Yeah. Although it's going to have the scene of Luke putting his lightsaber together in Jedi. It is going to have a couple of deleted scenes that, you know, some of which are pretty cool. Um, but, you know, come on, it's a Blu-ray set. I'm already paying that much for it. Give me the theatricals and and yeah, give them to me on one disc, mm-hmm. not at high def. Mm-hmm. So just you know, you could you could cough up and give the give the theatricals in there for for the cost of it. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. But yeah, that that's typical Lucas uh, formula too. Is I'll release this version, 
enough people will bitch that I'll put out another version right. so you that one too. And he'll sell two of them, and he'll also look like he's responding to the people what the people want. Yeah. But instead, like- he knows what the people want from right at. The, I mean, come on, everybody knows what we want. We want we want a double disc set with with and and and, and you know those those cutscenes. I saw the one with Luke making his lightsaber. It's twenty four seconds long. You know, right. So come on, you got room to do that. You, it, it, I, I, I'm sorry, man. Information is so tiny nowadays. You could fit. And I mean, every other release of it has had any kind of like documentary stuff that you would ever want has already been released. So it seems like a pretty no-brainer. So whenever you're gonna put Star Wars in the next format, just put the special edition in the theatrical, and everybody would be happy. Mm-hmm. Everybody, God damn it! <laughs> Except George. Except George. Well, come on, man. How unhappy can that guy be over any of it? <laughs> you know, come on. It's, True. It, bastard. All right. Well, we'll be right back with more Star Wars, and uh, <laughs> thanks again, Todd Grady. Sure thing. Keep your keep your Thanks head low out there in the in the embedded Clone Wars danger zone in the green zone or whatever zone they keep you guys in. <laughs> the erogenous zone. <laughs> Is that where they keep you guys? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a press card, man. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away. There exists a state of cosmic civil war. A brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny and oppression of the awesome Galactic Empire. This is their story. Stan Lee presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all. Yes. <laughs> We're back with our Marvel Star Wars comics. We're going to be doing number 53 and number 54 this month. But first, Scott, your short-term memory's uh, fizzling out. You forgot something you were going to mention back in the way back in the first part of the show. <laughs> Duh. Yeah, you know, this is what happens when I when I don't refine my notes, when I just have vague notes. Talk about this or talk about that. So I don't know. You guys can probably tell in our opener segments a lot of times we're just we have a general idea of what we're talking about. But yeah, I don't ever have that really like carefully planned out or anything. But I wanted to ask you if this excites you the same way it excites me. But you remember yes. how in, uh, the Empire Strikes Back, right? Uh-huh. We got that that brief like what is it like half a second freaking glimpse of the bounty hunters right you mm-hmm. you got that great tease of like IG88 and Bosk and all those guys and I remember any time there was an opportunity for those guys to pop up somewhere we'd get really excited about that as kids you know you just for some reason 
those characters fired our imagination. So whenever they, were they like would pop... action figures, they were covered with weapons and they were bounty yeah. hunters. So they definitely had an exciting life, especially if they're space bounty hunters. Now, are there characters in the prequels that do sort of the same thing for you? Ooh. Oh. I, I ask because there definitely are for me. And I, I didn't consciously realize it at the time. But this was another thing I meant to talk about, about that, that uh, Star Wars Republic, or you know if it's in trades, it's called uh, Star Wars Clone Wars. I, I meant to throw out there to see if you would be interested in this, because I, I thought this actually might interest you, was uh, the, the bounty hunter analogy I would use for the Clone Wars, or, or for the prequel stuff, is all those cool Jedis that we spotted on the uh, on the council, yes, in the different movies because they actually do change a little bit between like the Phantom Menace and um, Attack of the Clones, and they may even change again between Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith. I can't remember. I, I may I think maybe one or two of them do, but they definitely change between the Phantom Menace and the second movie. And somehow those characters, I didn't really consciously realize it until they started popping, like some of the really obscure ones started popping up in Star Wars Republic. But that was another go, oh, thing. Oh, there's I, that guy. Yeah. That, that's, that was another kind of a selling point I wanted to throw out there was that I think it's cool. We actually do get to glimpse some of these guys in action because there was that one dude that looked like your classic gray except mm-hmm. he had like a really long neck with mm-hmm. a tiny little head, but he looks like a head. gray. He looked like he has... a, a gray and a punching bag like <laughs> mixed together. <laughs> yeah, he was, his name something Poof. It's like Ariel Poof or something like that. He's in there, and uh, he's pretty cool. There was uh, the dude that had sort of like, he looked from like the torso up, he looked like a Wookiee with a perm. But then the yep. lower half of his body was a giant snake. Yes. That dude's badass. We finally see him and, you know, he, he goes into action in an issue or two of that. Story. You know, just little moments like that. The permed Wookiee snake. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what his name is. Something like, it's a weird name. It's like Rancisis or something like I think that. I'm, I think that's what I'm going to call my penis from now on, my Wookiee snake. Wookiee snake? Uh, that hey, works. Baby, wanna wanna meet my Wookiee snake? <laughs> Gronk. <laughs> Gronk. Gronow. <laughs> you know, or something. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Splooge. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but anyway, that's all I got on that. Just a little more tease, a little more incentive maybe to go check that stuff out because uh, I, I, I can't highly recommend it enough. It is excellent. I know you want to change the subject, but then I can tell my girlfriend, you know, I suggest a new strategy. Let the Wookiee snake the win. Wookie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. Anyway, <laughs> Star Wars comics. And let me tell you, man, I would almost do anything to put off these little bitter pills. Oh, Jesus Christ. Remember yeah. how a couple issues ago when we had, well, it was Bertoni who was on here and we were talking about how, was it Bertoni? No, it was Shag, where we had yeah. one of the best and the worst. We've been trying to get Bertoni we'll and he's always busy. We'll get him on here eventually. We'll get, it, we'll get his ass on here. <laughs> if there's one podcast that, you know, he 
really has to guest on. It's ours. <laughs> so, um, so issue number fifty-three. We've got a Walt Simonson cover. I love Walt Simonson, but I labeled this cover the cover that Proportion forgot. <laughs> in it is a really cool tie bomber with a with a rope ladder extending from it and is and what appear to be two horribly giant misproportioned stormtroopers carrying off Leia and someone else up this rope ladder and you know I looked at this and I thought this is just bad art because you know what giant stormtroopers but Oh, read on. Okay. So, um, this is this is issue number 53, 50 Cent Cover from November 1981. It's got Chris Claremont as the writer. Although, I have some sort of feeling that there had to be more people involved. Because this stinks of, like, um, you know, something pulled... Which, you know, we've discussed before. We think this is one that was pulled from another story and convert it into Star Wars. But Ah, fuck. I just remembered. You know what? I meant to look that up today, too, because uh, there's a great issue of uh, Back Issue Magazine by Two Morrows that, that covers the whole history of Marvel Star Wars, and I know they talk about this, and son of a bitch, I forgot to look that up. Well, now, see, if you go okay. and look at this... Just, on Just from on, reading this, we can figure out how, wait, it, how it happened. If you look at, like, uh, I think it's Wikipedia or something like that, it, it makes a reference to what they think this is an homage to. But I don't... If I if memory serves, that article in Back Issue doesn't say so much as an homage is that it was actually, like, sitting in a fucking drawer somewhere at Marvel, and they thought, well, let's whip this out, refurbish it a little bit, and, and use it in this Star Wars art. homage. <laughs> yeah, and that's really what I think they did. So... Um, we've got uh, Infantino and Simonson listed as pencilers, and Kupperberg and Palmer as inkers. And uh, and in the next issue, it's the same same deal, except you've got Palmer. How how is his name pronounced? Giacosha. Gia. I always said Giacoya, but I Giacoya. honestly I really don't know how and, it's pronounced. Uh, uh, what was it? Al Milgram? Are the mm-hmm. anchors on that one? Otherwise, it's uh, the exact same, same crew. So, issue number fifty-three starts out with Princess Leia, and she's on the like the far outskirts of the galaxy, and they're they're sending a team out in a in a blockade runner to investigate like imperial activity around this planet called Shiva, and there's been a lot of imperial activity detected there. So, in orbit, Leia's about to take a shuttle down to the planet when the the shuttle on still on the deck of the of the blockade runner gets hit by a an imperial mine it's like a mini um dark matter or antimatter bomb that they couldn't detect and uh kills her pilot and leaves her trapped in like the burning shuttle and she has to detach the shuttle from the ship and eject cuz she can't get out and if they leave it attached to the ship they'll be able to be detected by by uh the empire so she crash lands her her ship on the planet, and uh, we find this out a little later. But a couple days pass, and she ends up um, in the middle of a, basically a, a John Carter warlord from Mars sword and sorcery <laughs> war between red humans and these weird 
creatures that look like the creatures from John Carter, Warlord of Mars. And uh, she's rescued by the small group of red humans that run off a bunch of the Mars monsters that were attacking her. And at this point, I'm just going to clarify something in this this synopsis. This is... I, I didn't even bother to, like, write in the people's names in here because it's just so goddamn annoying and pointless at this point to be like... So I'm just going to refer to him as the, you know, John Carter, Warlord of Mars, because the guy is actually called the Warlord of the planet. And, and you know, the guy... There's a couple times where I'll refer to him by name, but they're basically just... You you know, it's just... Stereotypes. A, yeah, it's yeah. a sword and sorcery stereotype. So they they get her and... and you know, there's this whole hoopla played around about how they don't understand each other and they're sign languaging and they're they're taking her past these cities that have been bombed out and she notices, like, this was a nuclear bomb. A nuclear bomb, really. And uh, and then they're going by this other city that just has is, is been leveled. So they're heading towards it and she sees that it's glowing with radiation. So she tells them, you know, don't go there or you're going to get sick. So... <sighs> they take they take her back and you know, um, to the city and and she's you know for weeks living in their city and she has, um, she meets the you know the king warlord who instantly falls in love with her even though he has a beautiful wife that he loves and and you know you have the requisite plot where his number one guy is trying to is trying to overthrow him and wants his wife and his position as leader and. And, um, so at some point during this whole stupid, like, romantic ball scene, Princess Leia gets all choked up about Alderaan and runs out to a balcony to cry about it. And the, the warlord goes out, John Carter goes out to, to console her because he lost a child too. So he knows how it feels to lose your entire planet. And... While they're out there chatting on the and consoling each other, yep, giant stormtroopers come out of the sky on rope ladders and grab them both and carry them off to a star destroyer, where they meet Beta Ray Bill, or actually his name's Scar. <laughs> He's an imperial general. I had the same note. I had he looks like Beta Ray Bill, Bill's older brother. Yeah, exactly. Scar. So Scar is an a, imperial general who's preparing to invade Shiva, and John Car- Carter, warlord of Mars, basically tells him, "You won't take us without a fight." <clears throat> okay, oh, let, let's let's let, let me just wade through the whole story oh, because please, it's, yes. <laughs> it's not worth taking it apart that much. So anyway, Scar tells John Carter and Leia about his plan to enslave Shiva and use its fierce warriors. And Scar has this giant bomb that he's going to drop on their government and just basically wipe out the government and put his number one guy, whose name is Delios in charge so <laughs> in Leia and John Carter knock out you know fight their way free somehow and, and steal a ship and and infiltrate Sky's bomber and they uh, they of course find their way into the ship and find the bomb and 
Leia's about to disarm it, uh, you know, cut the blue wire when Delio shows up behind and behind her and attacks her. And um, John Carter's fighting, you know, Imperial, so he can't help her. And suddenly there's Luke Skywalker here to rescue you. And uh, he's there with Chewie, Lando, and the droids. And <sighs> they disarm the bomb and blow up Sky's ship as it's fleeing away. Chewie chucks a piece of metal at it and blows it up. So after having a total, like, you know, Star Wars honor ceremony... They find out a bunch of uh, Star Destroyers showed up and is about to kick everybody's ass. So Luke has to use the Falcon to trap the, you know, Star Destroyer into chasing him too close to a black hole. And then it gets sucked in to the black hole. The fucking end. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) Just so obviously hacked together from pieces of things. And yep. and like story elements twisted and and to you know I'm surprised it's just not a John Carter, Carter Warlord of Mars comic where they grafted Princess Leia's head over another character. I'm not so sure that they did. <laughs> well, yeah. If you go and of course these aren't page numbers, but the the where they first meet and you know he's trying to talk to her and she's like I don't understand your language. There's a picture of her. And it looks like somebody's just put a turd right under her nose. She's like, <laughs> "This is some of the worst Leia art ever in these comics." Because I don't, I really don't think it was her. I, I really, here's here's the reason that there's I think that few... this was sitting in a drawer somewhere. Here's my biggest evidence for this: is that the on the title page, it said it gives you a title. Last gift from Alderan is the name of this story. But when you get to the first page, and God damn, I wish these pages were numbered. numbered. But you get to the first page that shows John Carter and his people, it's another fucking title. It's it's lacking credits, but this is a, a title, title splash. Page. Oh yeah, because it says a stranger among. So it's you. It's it's like it changes to a completely different comic book right here in the middle. So I really oh, think yeah, this the art, is something the art is, somebody the art is out. different. You know, it's gone from Simonson to. Well, I don't know. The first part's got some infantino. It looks like the first, like with Leia, like that first opening page looks like Simonson. Yes. That does not look I like, like an the opening page. Yeah, it's beautiful. It looks, it's yeah. somewhere between Simonson and Williamson, actually. It's got that, yeah. it's just very nicely drawn. But then it's obviously infantino as you go. But I really like, actually, my favorite part of this whole thing is the retelling of Star Wars. Yeah. With I love the I love the the shot of you know would you prefer we select another target a military target then main, name the system part and you know the part where Darth Vader's like standing behind her with his hands on his sho- on her shoulders it, it it's neat it's a it's it's a neat little alternate take on it and uh, you know what I thought was interesting here is I actually went to issue, I think it's issue two of Star Wars. Issue two or issue three. No, I think it's issue three that shows the destruction of Alderaan. And I I looked at the dialogue, and this dialogue that's given here is different from the movie. Uh So I went to the issue to see if they were using their own dialogue, and it's almost exactly the dialogue that's in the issue. So it's really cool. They didn't reference the movie. They referenced their own issue, which I thought was really cool. You know, probably the writers had all the back issues of the comics, so that was what they would 
would probably be easiest to refer to. But the thing that's funny is that third panel shows Leia and she's having a flashback to when Vader was interrogating her and she's she's doing like the, you know, she's putting her hand up and doing like the scared damsel in distress thing. And that torture droid is right behind Vader, the one that we see in the movie. But if you remember in issue two of Marvel Star Wars, that droid didn't look anything like that. It was a green like 3PO style yeah. unit, remember? Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's funny that the following panels mirror the comic but they got that one panel wrong because that wasn't what the probe droid looked like or whatever they call it the torture droid I guess that's how geeky I was checking this out <laughs> you see I think if if they if they did just they must have drawn in her face over this because it looks like Princess Leia it doesn't look like another character that they just like right. said alright you know there's one one scene with her and two of the other guys where it looks like they they look like a red version of Han and Lando. <laughs> and it's right it's actually if you open the comic right into the center page where the staples are, it's up in the right hand corner of that. It's like she's sitting there with Han and Lando. And there's just some terrible dialogue. Everything oh, in yeah. this is so trite. And and obviously, John Carter, Warlord of Mars, is the dominant character in this. You know, it's mm-hmm. got his home life and all, you know, and it was just, I, it makes me wonder why they put so much work into not making a new, <laughs> just not writing two more and drawing two more comics, you know? Because I'm telling you, it was just a pain in the ass to read through this. It was just so not Star Wars wordy and awkward where is that I, I can't remember if it do you was have in, do you have notes on these in 54 there's a picture of where Luke first shows up and he's like you know giving Leia a hug and it that is probably the worst picture of Luke and Leia I've ever seen in my life he's like <laughs> gritting his teeth and she looks like a pinhead you know her neck is all scrawny and her head's deformed and tiny it's bizarre bizarre <laughs> I tells you and then there's stuff and Lando's saying stuff like hey watch the threads and stuff like, like that there's and and the fact that Chewie can just wing a piece of metal at a spaceship and blow it up <laughs> Wait, I know I Wookiees are go... badass and everything but come on I want to kind of go through this though issue by issue page by page because I, I actually have no i'm serious i have I, I did this many notes on this so i think we could have fun kind of kind of tearing this down and, right. and really examining it but all right on page three i found it was interesting is it page three no i'm not seeing it here i think i got the wrong page listed let's see no it's page four where uh that mine has gone off right uh-huh. and it's damaged the ship the guy calls to one of his people, and the guy's name is Jubilee. Yes. Now, I just thought this was interesting because this issue is written by Cl- Chris Claremont, who's most famous for the X-Men. Now, I don't know if he was still writing X-Men 
when the character of Jubilee was created or not, but I just thought it was very interesting that here's Star Wars. Jubilee is not a name I would associate no. with Star Wars. Here's Chris Claremont, and here's you know a, a tenuous connection to this other character, you know, through the X Men. So I just thought that was worth pointing out. And does this ship look in this ship that the the shuttle is sort of poorly drawn coming out of coming out of like a turd actually? Like it's <laughs> pooped out by a giant transformer robot. It looks like a like a like a spacefaring aircraft carrier or something. Yeah, yeah it yeah, looks. Really it doesn't look like a blockade runner to me at all. They keep no. calling it the blockade runner, but sure doesn't look like one to me. Now Leia names a device that I'm pretty sure we're never ever going to hear of again when she's trying to communicate with these people after uh-huh. they save her, John Carter and his people, she says something about a tra- translatacom, which I guess they couldn't say universal translator, but that's basically what it what it comes down to. I'm pretty sure we're never, ever going to hear of this device again. Meanwhile, jo- John Carter, you know, when this guy's fighting, he's he is yell- actually yelling things like, Fall, villains! Yes. Which is just fucking ridiculous. All right, so after he picks up Leia, and, and all right, way later in this thing, toward the end, he's going to make some statement, because the whole thing, here's another thing that fucking drove me nuts with this, is that, you know, at the beginning of this, it's got standard narration. As soon as John Carter shows up, suddenly it's all the him. narration is his. Yeah. It's is his, whatever, internal monologue or notes he's leaving later or some fucking thing. Well, anyway... He says later on toward the conclusion of this story that, you know, I loved Leia from the moment that I saw her. No, he didn't. Because right here on this page, he's saying, you know, I, I don't know if I can trust her. I, you know, I, I can't really tell whose side she's on. And, and Leia herself thinks Aaron doesn't trust me. And I'm, so they didn't even keep that characterization consistent yeah. from one issue to the other. Anyway, after he picks her up, then they head to this city. What the hell is the name of it? Kavor. Kavor. And they head there, and it's been nuked. Do we ever get a fucking explanation for why this city was nuked when the big plan well, was to nuke Aaron's city? So why the right. hell didn't they just nuke his city and be done with it? Why nuke this other city first if it wasn't important? Right. It's just for Leia to go, that was the Imperials who did that with an antimatter bomb. <laughs> that was the only reason. And earlier, she's like, that was, this place was another city. She's like, this was a nuclear nuclear bomb. And it's like, really? They have nuclear bombs in Star Wars? Really? And that's what they call them, too? Well, she also calls that blue flame effect the uh, Cherenkov effect. Now, I realize that they have to use... Names, but do they really have Russians in Star Wars, too? <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, I, it's a little bit weird because it's like... You know, when they were on Hoth, I'm sure that they referred to things as snow and, you know, air. And, you know, they use common, you know, because they have to use our language. But still, that's a little bit too earthy right there when you're when you're using the same. You know, it'd be like saying the goal. It's the Fonzarelli effect. (laughs) It's the Fonzarelli factor. I love this one page after uh, John Carter's wife slaps him side the head. 
He's yeah. holding Ow. her by the ankle, and it looks like he's about to bash her brains out. He, he it, looks like it, it's like somebody picked. It's like when you pick up your sister's Barbie doll to beat it against the wall, like <laughs> I, you know you get, how you guys used to beat your sister's Barbie dolls. It's just, I never did that. He's just grabbing her by the ankle, and her body is so rigid that he can just fling her around. But notice his pet lizard on the on yes. the floor. Right there is going grup. And and this stupid lizard doesn't even know what franchise he's in. Grups are in Star Trek, you stupid. Well, he's going, wine? In the next one, (laughs) with a question mark. But I like when he's in his study with his coffee and his sandwich, you know, going through his paperwork. (laughs) You know, and I mean, he's even... uh, uh, Yeah. Well, as I was reading this, and it progresses, and, and there's the whole part where he and his wife are like, you know, so did you hear Leia's story about this Empire guy and, you know, this Empire thing? And, yeah, what do you make of that? Well, I never heard of it. Do you think she's full of shit? Well, I don't know. She sure convinced. And I'm thinking, what fucking planet is this? Yeah, exactly. You know? So I looked it up, and there is sort of a kind of half-ass explanation, which is this planet's supposed to be part of... I guess the this is an official thing in Star Wars, but there's a, a thing called Wild Space. It's kind of like, you know, the frontier, basically. Uh, and I supposedly, they were going to try and say it was actually Mars. <laughs> they should have. <laughs> yeah, why not go for it at this point, you know? Right. But I, I like that. See, what I really do like, though, is even even shitty stories like this one, I like that there's some people out there that that like and embrace this Marvel stuff so much that they'll even try to retcon in shit like this to make it fit. So this whole wild space idea, I kind of like that because it does sort of explain why you could have John Carter's planet in Star Wars because it's out there on the frontier. You know, they're a primitive people. They haven't ever made... I guess they've never made, like, official first contact with, like, the Republic or the Empire or anything like that. So, you know, they've been living out there on their own and just, you know, in, in their ignorant bliss. But what the thing I looked at, they said something about, like, that's where, like, planets like Camino and stuff exist is out there in this, this wild space. But even the fucking Kaminoans had, had contact with the Republic and the Jedi. So I don't know. It, it, but yeah, it. it. <laughs> Plus, Leia was on this planet for over a month. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's like weeks are passing. She's starting to think that she's gonna be there forever. You know, because there's no. <laughs> they don't have the technology to fly her off. You know, oh, whatever. What whatever. Do you think that uh, Damien Hellstrom, the son of Satan, knows that this dude's wearing his threads on that page where he goes to the party? Because <laughs> that sure as hell looks like his outfit, doesn't it? Well, I like I, I like the guy going over his paperwork in a loincloth with his cr- you know crown on and no shirt. You know what the fuck? <laughs> no, why doesn't he have his glasses on? You know, and like his little, you know the little stenographer's hat or whatever it is. You know, and then what? What is that? Giant stormtroopers? Come on, man. I guess they're supposed to be the Beta Ray Bills and stormtrooper outfits. I guess they don't really like. 
say I'll, say anything to him, but how is he, you know, how is he going to fit that long-ass horse face into a stormtrooper mask anyway? You know? I was going to save that for the very end, but I, since you brought it up, I'm just going to throw it out there. They are never fucking explained. No, they're just, they show up, they grab him, they show up on the cover. It's like they show up in here, it's like... It's like Simonson was drunk and drew this cover, and they're like, we don't have time to draw another cover. I don't know. Write something in about giant stormtroopers. Seriously, what I'm thinking, dude, I'm thinking that this this was a, an issue of, of John Carter that was finished or pretty much finished, and they went in and they, they changed some faces, they changed some ships and things. These giant stormtroopers that show up, are something else like going there's into something an else and that I, got and, yeah because they got rope ladders and they're yeah you're yeah. right and they got traced over because so, if you look at them they, and they, they said look, and, and infantino said well you know i drew it so i mean it would be consistent right. you know because if you go to where the fuck is it it's in the next issue but it's that part where leia takes over the controls and she's strafing strafing the deck of the imperial ship Look at all those people that she's strafing. There's, you know, later when they actually land on the ship, suddenly they're stormtroopers. Right. But if you look at them in their tiny little form when she's doing her strafing run, those are not fucking stormtroopers. They didn't even go back and like redraw them to to be in no, armor. No, they're like guys in like togas. Yeah. You're so, right. yeah. I'm telling you, this was a finished or near finished issue of of John Carter that they just they just fucking slapped a little bit of Star Wars paint on it and threw it in here. And it shows. I, it shows, and I don't appreciate it, you know? I don't know if they were up, up against some sort of, you know, deadline or, you know, so, you know I, I really got don't know. sick or something or something, yeah. but Well, that's what I, I'm saying. For all the work that they put into, like, torturing this John <coughs> Carter thing into a a Star Wars story. It, you know, they could have just come up with a crappier S- Star Wars story. <laughs> you know? Oh, I and got... Then, I... And then there's, you know, there's obviously the few pages that were drawn, you know, in the Falcon and, and with the black hole and stuff like that that were drawn for this issue. And that's quite a few pages, you know? So it's like they had one issue and they used the John Carter thing to to stretch it out among to buy them two issues time you know two months time or something i don't know but whatever it was it was not a fun read i got some more for you you're gonna love this am i I (laughs) no (laughs) no so they go to the ball right and uh leia's all dolled up she looks like Belle from beauty and the beast and Aaron comes with his wife. Now, this is what I didn't understand. Why did they even saddle him with a wife in this story? And they even mention his kids several times, but they never show them. Right. So what What was the... See, this is another thing. I bet you this was already all yeah, it written. it had to have been. It had to have it been. Had to been. It had to have been already written and, or drawn anyway. Because he Maybe goes through this whole thing like, I love Leia. But then he, at the end, he, he realizes that right. he doesn't. And his wife's like, well, I'm fine with that. Well, you know, so he's standing there and he's watching Leia dancing with his number one, right? And his wife says to him, husband, you gaze at Leia as you once looked at me. And he says, am I 
that obvious. Alice, I guess is her name, Alice. And she says, only to one who knows you, loves you as I do. It's no crime to be tempted, Aaron, to see beauty and wish to possess it. That merely makes us, or it may, merely makes you as human and the, as the rest of us. And she goes on and on like this. And I'm thinking, now that is one really fucking understanding wife yeah. right there. <laughs> that yeah. shit, as a married man, I can tell you right now, That's, never yeah. fucking happens exactly. in reality. Exactly. <laughs> She'd be those... like, what are you looking at? Yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck is that? <laughs> what, what you like that skank yep, look at her exactly. she's scrawny and and when you look at Leia in some of the, in some like when she's trying to there's a picture where she's trying to defuse a bomb you know <laughs> do you see that where he's got his sword out and he's sort of got his finger pointing back at her he's got like the thumbs up like he's pointing out and he's got some weird ass fucking wavy hair thing going look at her she looks like a greyhound look at how skinny she is it's it's in the second issue you see what i mean and she's making that like face yeah that's what he's falling in love he's got hottie mcbuxom red woman and he's looking at like leia who's all she does is make turd faces the whole this whole all right i realize this is jumping ahead quite a bit here i I am going to go back but while we're at that point you're talking about how much of a pussy is this number one guy that it looks like he's taking a full powered swing with this broadsword. Yeah. He hits Leia in the shoulder and out of cleaver fucking arm right off. And exactly. all it does is like leave a Nick, a little Nick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a great sword you got there, dude. And <laughs> either that, or he's got one limp wristed swing. One of the two. Now here's another draw over. If you look on the the page after, um, after the center spread with Toon Time, in the second issue, <laughs> there's a picture of Chewie jumping out of a yeah out of the the Falcon, which also has some sort of weird like engine on top of it. Can you see that? Unless it's like the back of another ship. But look at Chewie and look at like how his mouth is and his body proportions. He's just another one of those Martian things yep. that they put yep. Chewie over, you know. Yep. And they even had to make his fur a little funny to adjust for his loincloth that he would have been wearing. <laughs> You're right. And uh, you can see on his mouth, he's got the same mouth as that that other guy. And it's like, <laughs> look, and it's like, look, I made a friend here. And it's like, no, weren't they the enemies earlier on? <laughs> You know? We're getting we're getting ahead though, <laughs> but you're right. You're absolutely right. All right, so Leia runs out of the ballroom back in '53, <laughs> uh-huh. and she runs out onto the balcony. Now, who comes out to find her? But Aaron, and then she's all blatty, and they stand there, and he holds her. And I'm thinking, where is his wife? Why why is his wife totally cool with all this? She should be. She Maybe should be flipping his wife out. Is like a little on the buy side and is like, uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's actually kind of Maybe we can get her swinging with her and General Dodonna. All right, I am so ready to be done with issue fifty-three, but I got to read this part right here. Oh no! The last letter I got a kick out of. Right. Actually, I got a kick out of all the letters in here because they're all talking about issue 48. As you recall, issue 48 was the one where Leia went to that planet to beg for a loan. 
Remember? And she yes. had the guy that turned out to be a fucking robot. Yes, and all that it was, bullshit it was that happened. Darth Vader, Three Stooges. Yes. One. All right, here you go. Listen to this horse shit. I feel strangely forced to write and convey my infinite gratitude to Larry Hama, Carmine Infantino, and Carlos Garzon for producing the best Star Wars comic. It warms the cockles of my tauntaun. I'm not making that shit up. It says this. To have such a true addition to the saga. Yeah. And this was the most fantastic art that ever graced such a well-thought-out plot. This was before they made sarcastic emoticons, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Hama, your plot line must be the envy of Mr. Lucas himself. Oh, please let this be sarcasm. (laughs) Your reference to Darth Vader's secret numbered accounts... The sudden increase of the porter's relative density and the demise of Vader's telekinetic aid were so imaginative and so completely identifiable <laughs> as Star Wars material as to be indistinguishable from Lucas's saga. And it goes on and on like this. Now, this was the gushiest one and the worst one, but they're all like this. They're all in praise of an absolute shit issue of Star Wars. I was floored. I was like, wow, you can't give us one that tells the other side of the story. Because I'm sure they they I'm had sure to. they had to have been just yeah. inundated. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But, uh, alright, continuing on to 54. Do you like this cover? No, it's kind of hurried. It's There's elements to it that I like but it's not very well composed. I love Simonson's art, but this isn't one of his, Mm-mm. the the uh, one of the winners. You know, it's just kind of uh, it's kind of hurried. It looks like maybe it was a small piece of art and then blown up a little. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's a good point. It does look like that. You know, I, I like both the cover. And the uh, the title splash page to 53, but it's ironic you get to the next one. I don't like either. I don't like the cover, and I don't like the title splash. I really don't like that title splash to this one. Because, you know, you these, these issues, I mean, this is fucking Star Wars. This You know, this was at a time when Star Wars was still the biggest thing in the world. Yeah, and you're looking at it, and it looks like Conan the Barbarian when you open it up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you should never, ever have put out, you know, Marvel, I mean, should never, ever have put out any issue of Star Wars where a kid couldn't open the front cover, look at it, and just go, oh, Star Wars. Although I mean, I've you got a Where's this. Waldo moment for you. See how it says <laughs> okay. Starfire Rising? Uh-huh. If you look right over FI, it's He-Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I caught, there was a crowd scene in 53 that I was going to do that same thing, point out all the people. Because there was a dude in there that looked like... Uh, the high evolutionary uh-huh. and all these different, there was a dude that looked kind of like Hawkman without his wings. And yeah, there's all kinds of freaky looking like barbarian people in here. It's, it's hysterical. That one dude between the two Imperial officers there, he looks like, like Harry mud or Volstag yeah, or something. Exactly. Hysterical. It's got a little but, Peter uh, Jackson in him too. I don't have very many notes on 54 only because I was getting really fucking tired of of reading this by the time I I was like halfway into this issue. But there were a couple of things that I thought was was worth pointing out here. Oh, God, let's see if I can find I probably won't even be able to find it now. Oh, here it is. Oh, I love this part. 
Leia spoke Skywalker's name with a soft, almost unconscious caress. She obviously cared for him a great deal. I hated him. (laughs) What kind of fucking dialogue is this? Uh, (laughs) It's cheese the whole way through. He's agonizing over his love for Leia. I'm I'm wondering if they actually had, like, literally had word balloons and text blocks here that they had to fill up. It could be. You know? It could be. It could easily be. I mean, there's really... So that they just had to write shit to put in them, you know what I mean? Luke shows up as as Leia. She, she's trying to defuse the bomb. All right, here's another stupid thing. Her and, and Car... I realized this about halfway through this sequence. It suddenly re- dawned on me that this isn't like... Aaron and his people like rising up to defeat the Empire. This is him and Leia fucking alone taking on this Imperial ship. Did you yeah. did you catch that? Yeah, it's just them. I, yeah, they just escape, the two they of escape with the ship and and Leia using her flying skills that she learned from Luke at some point. Yeah, right. maneuvers makes. I mean, they just maneuver patent through impossible odds and then they're like once we get onto the ship we'll be able to you know disappear amongst it and they'll have a hard time finding us and of but they go right to where the bomb is which is of course where you would have it the most fortified and where you would send you would people think. to look for them right it's, there's nothing that makes sense they no they were just does. counting on the majority of people reading this being like nine years old i'm i'm gotta think so they get there it's just the fucking two of them. And she's like, okay, I can defuse this bomb for one thing. All right, when the hell did Luke have time to teach her how to fly to where she's this good? I, I have a problem with that. Why does a princess know how to defuse a nuclear fucking bomb? I worked around nuclear bombs for three years and couldn't fucking defuse one, you know? I mean, come on. So she's doing this, and what's his face? Uh, What'd you say this dude's name was? Dilio? Dilios. What the Dilios? <laughs> what the Dilio? He breaks in, chops at Leia with his sword. Out of nowhere, Luke Skywalker shows up. Now, normally, I'm all for that, right? Love Luke. By He's this great. Point. He's one of my childhood heroes. But it instantly occurred to me, where the fuck is Luke coming from? And why would he be on this ship? Now, I realized that he came there looking for Leia... Why didn't he go to, like, one of the population centers of the planet? Why is he on this ship? There's no right. logical reason just for shows Luke up. to have come to that ship looking for her. Oh, no, she's his sister. He doesn't know it, but she can still find her through the Force, whether oh, it's conscious Jesus. or unconscious. Nope. No, or some, I'm sorry. Not some buying such it. bullshit like that. <laughs> Not buying that. Nope. <laughs> come on, man. Only a dollar. Nope. It's only a nope. dollar. Nope. I'm not buying it. 40 cents. 40 right. cents and it's yours. Catching back up to where you were talking about with uh, with Chewie, I completely agree with you. He is a redrawn Martian. You can see in it that. in his mouth, and where his mouth and his eyes are in the shape of his mouth. It's just... He looks like he has buck teeth. He's going... <laughs> yeah, he, he sure is. <laughs> now, okay, maybe this is supposed to be artistic license or something, but I don't really like artistic license in this sort of way. It literally looks like the Falcon is flying by and 
Chewie and whatever the fuck this other dude. I'm just leaping off it. Leaping, leaping over to the ship. It's like no, I hate it. I hate it. All right, we already talked about the nukes, right? Why the hell did they nuke? Why didn't they nuke the Warlord City? For is a reason ever given why they did nuke the city that they nuked? Yeah, because it was another fucking comic book, and it made sense in that one. It was an intergalactic war between two people trying to nuke each other, and 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 yeah, it, this has literally been tortured and show. It's you know the classic square peg in the round hole. So Lando lands the Falcon on the deck of the Imperial ship, kind of like the art in this sequence, believe it or not, because I can see the uh, I can see the Palmer in there. I don't know who is who is drawing it, but mm-hmm. I definitely see Tom Palmer on the inks right there. Oh, for sure. But he he's running down the ramp as Scar or Scar is fleeing. He's running away. Lando catches the dude out of the corner of his eye, and this is what he says. Well, what have we here? An Imperial general running out uh, running out on his men. Eh. What about this fucking guy's appearance gives you any indication that he's yeah. an Imperial general? He looks like Beta Ray fucking Bill he's with, like... He's not wearing an Imperial outfit or anything. Yeah, he's... he's, he's how would you describe this outfit he's wearing? He, he looks like one of the Thunderers of Quard or something. Yeah. He he, yeah. he looks like somebody as guardian. He's got capes yeah. and, and metal headpieces with, you know, with frills on it. It's yeah. Even that helmet he's wearing in this part looks like Beta Ray Bill's helmet, doesn't it? Doesn't yeah. Beta Ray oh, Bill's oh, yeah. helmet look something like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's no yeah. two ways about it. It was Simonson doing like something that eventually would become Beta Ray Bill. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, but there's not there's not one piece of clothing or anything on this guy that says Star Wars, let alone Imperial General. So it's completely ridiculous. And then, all right, so Lando takes a pot shot at him, right, and he hits him. And Scar Scar says he it says about it says Spoo <laughs> as he's hitting him. And Ooh, Scar- maybe he hit him with his Wookiee snake. <laughs> <laughs> and Scar, he goes, Arr! as he's hit, right? All right, two fucking panels. Not like eight pages later. Two panels later, he uh, he's shrugging off blasts from Lando. Point yes. blank blasts. And he and he's, gives Lando a pimp slap, and he says, I have a personal force field, Cretan. <laughs> no hand blaster made can penetrate it. And I'm thinking... Then what in the fuck did you say R for in the in the first panel where you got shot? Because she's a pirate. <laughs> I don't know, you know. And and he said something like, "And that slap will I'd like to kill you, but that slap will have to do or something like that," you know. And he does. He pimp slaps. I mean, literally. I mean, I mean, Lando's saying stuff like, "Watch, you know how much this outfit costs me." It's like, come on. Oh, there's another. I At got least another. It's not Han Solo's outfit. You know how much <laughs> I... this cost me? Nothing, because you took <laughs> it from the frozen guy, you asshole. <laughs> I took it out of his dresser drawer. I got another pimp too. reference, and twice in the same in the same issue, we can reference we can use a pimp reference because Lando is totally being a pimp at the bottom of that page where he's got all the ladies surrounding him at yeah. the party. I actually yeah, kind of yeah. like that. 
Now, I want to see if you'll agree or disagree with me, but I think I, I'm serious as a heart attack in this. As much as this story and these two issues suck ass, I do think that if you take this... And again, I, God damn it! I wish that there compare were page to the, Compare it page by page to Three Stooges, Darth Vader. <laughs> no, There's twice no. as many pages in this. I don't know. It's <laughs> no, not that. If you take it from the page at the top of the page, the first panel is the Falcon winging away from this fucking planet that I hope we never see again. From that point on, oh, the rest you mean of Shiva. Shiva. <laughs> you betrayed Shiva. I think the rest of this issue is actually pretty good. When they when they are making their escape, Luke and Leia go and get in the quad guns and they actually fight TIE fighters and they do some actual like Star Warsy shit that they actually like really do in Star Wars and not fight with fucking broadswords and fight Martians and shit. And you know, they make their getaway and, and, and Chewie Luke gets some lines and yeah. Although it ends with the last panel of like is Luke's hand really that big and bloated, though? Look at maybe, it's swall- maybe it's swelled up from punching out that, uh, oh, that yeah. uh, Dilio guy. And and there's a good shot of Chewie laughing. That actually but no, I, like I'm it. serious, though. Do you like the ending of this, or, or, or is it all just complete? I thought it was kind of forced. I thought it was like, oh, here's how we'll, we'll fix the Star Destroyer. We'll have him go close to a black hole and... You know, just convince and and a, okay. They get up there. They start flying away from the. They're right. They're getting ready to run away from the star destroyer, and the only reason they use that black hole is all of a sudden they're like, oh shit, there's a black hole here. Really, you didn't notice that before? <laughs> they were scanning this place from such a long range that they detected imperial activity there, but they didn't. Come on, if. If it wasn't anything but a story <laughs> element that was forced in there, at the beginning they would have been like, error, we can't, couldn't see those mines because of the gravity field of the black hole or, you know, something like that. I don't know. I think one of the reasons I, I might like this sequence so much, though, is that, like I say, it feels Star Warsy with them in the, cock, in the uh, Millennium Falcon. They're fighting um, TIE fighters and all that. I really like that. But also, you can tell. You can tell where the John Carter fucking issue ended yeah. and where this well, starts. Well, you're just glad to have sudden... Star Wars back. That's all. Yeah. But, I mean, you suddenly you've gone from from that. I mean, not a page before you've got, you know, the... the, I, think the that's, uh, I think that kind of annoys me more because it makes it just... Under... Crammed in there, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's wedged right in the middle of it. But I, I like it because I like the art. You know, it's it's back to that style. Yeah. It's 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 Simonson. Well, it's going back Palmer to Aiken. it's going back to what we can expect in the future now. Once right. again, and at least coming up, you know, not to spoil the next issue, but I love the next issue. You know, the next issue oh, yeah. makes up yeah. for this. Yeah, big time makes up for it. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad we're going to be putting this in the in the rearview mirror. Yeah, and, and next yeah, month I, that's the only issue of we're we're going to exclusively touch on this issue. It's a neat one. 
I think I, I could be completely wrong about this, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is only the second time I've ever read this story since since I bought it new back. And well, what the hell year was this? Eighty two. Yeah, probably. And and you know, eighty one. Have yeah. the show. If you didn't have the show to do it, you probably would. It would have sat in your comic boxes still. Yeah. Because <laughs> I remembered this story sucking. I couldn't give you specifics other than I remembered that it had something to do with a with a primitive peoples fighting with broadswords and shit. Other than that, I couldn't remember anything about it other than I didn't like it. And wow, do I now remember what I didn't <laughs> like about it because I still don't like well, it about it. You're, you're right. I mean, of all the completely idiotic and ridiculous things that we've pointed out about this story, I think what takes the fucking cake is this ship is a dot on the horizon. Chewie picks up a piece of metal that it says <laughs> something about has awesome weight flings it at it and actually destroys the fucking ship with this like it looks like a plate or like a it yeah, actually it's looks like, like it's like look. it's like some sort of plate from a gun it's like a piece of shielding from a gun or something it's just yeah it's like it looks like it's about two foot by two foot so stupid yeah really really you know what is cool though Chewy has some great lines in this one Only when he slams Lando. Oh, that's actually that's worth pointing out too. Is the fact that he grabs Lando at one point and just just it's nonsensical him. though. It's just C three PO going. I'd like to get Lando over here, but he can't hear us over the crowd. And Chewy like wades through the crowd and then whams Lando up against the wall. Yeah, but this was at a time when this is actually sort of half-assed in character with what was going on because he and he and Chewie have an un uh, an uneasy of, yeah. alliance. Yeah. yeah, Chewie's pissed at him, and and Wookiees, yeah, probably hold a grudge. Yeah, and we, but we, then we, Lando's we still... like, "I'll talk it tough with Chewie." Going, well, this had better be good, you know. Right. If you're gonna drag me away from the space pooty. But I like it. Chewie says, "Crark." <laughs> <laughs> and then he's got another one here. Where the hell is it? Oh, I like this one. When they're flying away and Luke and uh, Luke and Leia are using the guns and shooting down the TIE fighters, he looks at Lando and he says, Runk! <laughs> <laughs> What'd you call me? <laughs> we need a translation Runk. guide for this. Yeah, I know. I wish there were people that were learning Wookiee like they would learn Klingon. Well, he's got a big shit-eating grin on his face in the bottom of that one panel. When uh, when Leia says, Luke, you are crazy. Look at the look on Chewie's face. He's got a great hey. big grin. He says, Ruck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he must mean Alan. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, then it ends. There was a reference earlier in this. Oh, it was the part where Leia was strafing the Imperial ship. Oh God, where the hell is it here? Okay, and and John Carter is again having his stupid monologue thing, and he says her face was set in a stoic, emotional mask. And they spell mask in the in the Q E, yeah, the uh, Q E W way, just to be all fanciful. It says yet I saw the flash of tears on her cheek, sensing what this action was costing her. And so I don't think she wasted stormtroopers left and right left in Star and Wars, right? Come on. She loved it. So we get to the end of this issue, and it ends in that same maudlin fashion with her... Oh, is she... All right, they, they trick the Star Destroyer into actually being pulled apart by the black hole. Oh, yeah. by the way, quick note to any writers in the audience that are listening right now. 
That's not um, how it would work. If, yeah. If you ever write a story about a black hole, please, for the love of baby Jesus, don't tell me that a, that the gravity in a black hole is so strong that not even light can escape. I fucking know That's that like, already. Yeah. I've heard it like 80 billion times in my well, life. Well, this was 81, so you I know. know. I know. Anyway, <laughs> I'm getting on a soapbox with this issue. But the, the thing gets pulled apart. So the, imper- the bad guys are punished. They get dead. And you've got a really celebratory-looking Chewbacca at the top of the page going, Hurrah! And we've got Lando, and he's balling up his fist, and he says, beautiful. And he's congratulating Luke on a job well done and all that. And then you got Leia being a complete piss pot. Those were men, Lando, living sentient <laughs> beings just like ourselves. And we destroyed uh, destroyed them. Is that really a cause for celebration? I'm thinking, yes. What have you done with Princess Leia? Yeah, uh, Lando <laughs> should have said, Yes, it is. A, yes, they were yeah. assholes. Face isn't it. This, isn't you you this mean the people baby? who are getting ready to wipe out that whole planet that you've been living right. on and had become so, like, you know, fond of the people? They were coming there to kill them all. Remember, we came right. up here to prevent them, for, and we did it. So, fuck you. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm surprised. Remember we could have how... reformed them. What, what issue was that that we covered? Where the writer took his name off of it and changed it to what was it, Wally Lombago? Yeah. Because Lucasfilm came in and said, um, your pussified pacifist ending doesn't really work with a book called Star Wars. And they changed it. You know what? This now that I read this dialogue again, this is the same fucking thing with with this with the writer kind of giving us like this pussified you know, war is a terrible thing kind of because she even says she she and Luke are sitting at the table at the end and she says something to the effect of we may defeat the empire but we'll have lost our souls in the process and luke even says i know and i'm thinking what no come on yeah right you're you're part of the rebel alliance you're supposed to be killing these people that's the that's a fucking point (laughs) well i'll tell you what they're not just hunting them down and killing them either they're killing them when they're doing something bad they're there right. at that planet to enslave and kill the people. They grabbed Princess Leia and tortured her again in this issue. You know, questioned her again. And then they were sending her to the Emperor so he could tort because they were like, don't kill her. The Emperor's, you know, claim that that pleasure. So, yeah, really. So, really. So, like, her only alternative would be to just, like, pacifistically offer themselves up to be killed. <laughs> you know? What's your what's your other choice? It's not like the empire is going to be talked out of whatever they're going to do. Yeah, it's just useless, <laughs> useless they were, out of place and out of context. They were enemies, yet I grieve for them. Oh, when <laughs> when did we see that? I could see the Luke post Jedi when he's more. Jedi'd out being sort of like <laughs> that, being more philo- philosophical about, you know, wiping people out. and then, Or I could see Luke whining about it a little bit because even though he might have hated him, he still might have felt it with the Force and been forced to sort of empathize with him. But not Princess Leia going, those were men. Those were decent people with kids and they liked ice cream and puppies just like you. And even though they were going to destroy an entire planet, that's no reason to celebrate that they're dead now. Oh, God. 
Oh my God! You know. <laughs> All right, no cake for you then. <laughs> Jesus, you know, as much as I really liked, what was I think the only other issue we've seen so far that was written by uh by Claremont was that Luke Skywalker flashback, right? Which where, was where good, Luke... yeah. That was good. Was I liked that. Well, this 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 man. this this wasn't you know this doesn't seem like setting out this was like damage control more than it was you know <laughs> than it was like crafting a, a, a great Star Wars story There's, something was going on here where they were in a bind couple of uh, interesting things <laughs> not really related to the issue but did you, did you happen to read this hostess ad no I think this is the darkest hostess ad I've ever read because it starts out and it's Peter Parker's on a date with this girl and they're sitting on a bench. It looks like, I don't know, one of the New York bridges is in the background. And he says, what a beautiful view. And she's, oh, it's so romantic. Brooklyn Bridge. And these fucking guys come up and they pick up Peter Parker and throw him off the fucking bridge. And they say, take a dive, twerp. We'll show this doll what's romantic. Well, they're gonna rape his fucking girlfriend. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this: they don't throw him <laughs> up. They're not on the bridge. I know exactly where they're sitting. He's only got a couple feet into the water. They just toss him into oh, okay. into the into the river. But that is not to get around that they're 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 probably planning to rape his girlfriend. Yeah, what what kind of fucking advertising is this and in a comic book? <laughs> what kind of person gives the person, the people who are about to rape his girlfriend, hostess Twinkies, even if it is to... <laughs> and what a group of rapists. You've got, like, Luke Cage. You've got, like, two, two middle-aged, like, businessmen-looking guys. One guy looks like a middle-aged sort of comic book guy. The other guy looks like some middle-aged, like, shoes, or accountant or shoe salesman yeah. or something. Yeah. The other guy looks like Gene Wilder or something. <laughs> what an unlikely band of rapists. I'm intrigued by this goofy group of rapists. They look like a sitcom waiting to happen. Maybe it's like one of those things where, like, I don't know, like somebody like Mysterio or something was like making the people of New York go crazy or some shit like that, and they didn't have time to explain it. Well, I don't know. Well, it's funny talking to those Spider-Cast <sighs> guys. I don't read Spider-Man these days, but it seems like there's an awful lot of rape going on in Spider-Man these days. There's an awful the lot end... of rape going on in all comics these days. That's it's one of the reasons weird. I'm not reading them anymore. And then, and then, like, and then she's like, "Oh, poor Peter!" At the end, you know, we better find some some place warm and cozy. Yeah, like a girl who's almost just got raped is like, come on, baby, I'm hot. (laughs) It's got me hot. Especially the way you saved me like that by falling in the river. Did you notice the inside back cover? No. Oh, yes, I did. (sighs) I always wanted that model. What we're we're looking at, listeners, is a full-page ad for... uh, MPC model kits based on the Empire Strikes Back. And there's one that, uh, oh, it's really cool. It's a diorama scene. And half of it is is the rebels in the, you know, they're in the trenches and there's the power generator in the background and all that, you know, snow speeders and stuff. And then the other side of it is the walkers advancing. I 
always yeah. wanted that one. I never got it, but it's cool. I never was much into models, but that one just looks so cool because it's actually like a scene. You know, it's like a, a, a second of a scene. You know what I mean? Like almost like yeah. a snapshot come to life. It's great. Then the other one was uh, Luke and Yoda's Artsu house. inside of Yoda's house. Yeah, I never liked that one, though. Well, the ones with real people in them always look goofy. The models always yeah. look really goofy. They're never really... The only one that I ever thought of those that was really cool was the one of Spock shooting the the creature on Vulcan. Yeah. Oh, I've God, I forgot about that, that one. one. I've always wanted that. They're, of course, they probably cost eight trillion quadrillion dollars these days for that thing. <laughs> eight million quatlus. Quatlus. I do like that... Uh that model for Empire there with all the walkers and that's cool and one of the walkers is falling down and he can't get up there's an 80s reference that half the listeners won't get <laughs> that's one of those ones that has lasted has it? Quite a, has that one, has so, that one yeah. endured down through time? yes has it? it is, it's one <laughs> for the ages <laughs> but uh, you know I think that's all I got for this that's one. That's about but, all oh, I got. That's shit. about all I got the stomach for, to tell you the truth. Thank God that, again, this is my faulty memory at play, so forgive me if this turns out not to be the truth, but to my memory, we won't hit another shit issue, and you know, one that's like absolute shit, for quite a while now. From, from here on out, I, I recall them being pretty solid. Consistently reading. good, yeah. This is yeah. this is around where I started picking them up again. And I remember, right. you know, being very, very impressed with how solidly good they were. You know, that that's the sad thing right here. You know, we were 13 when these came out. I had not a goddamn thing to do with the writing penciling, inking, you know, producing, delivering anything of these comics, and I still feel like I should apologize to the <laughs> listeners. This, this story sucked that bad. Oh, I'm sorry you guys had to endure that. I, thought, I, know, I hope I'm, we at least made it funny for you. Anyway. I got we gotta we gotta make a point to listen to Bertoni's podcast about these issues yes. to see what he has to say. I I, I can't wait. Yeah, if you guys are not listening to his podcast it's God. I can't ever get this straight. It's either Marvel Star Wars or Star Wars Marvel. I think it's Marvel Star Wars is the name of his I'm show. God, sure I feel is. bad that I can't ever keep that straight. But the the host of that show is Joshua Lappin Bertoni. Please listen to his show. It's very very funny. He's doing, um, he's doing the Marvel Star Wars. He's doing one issue at a time. I don't think they ever run over like a half an hour. They're usually nice, short, yeah, concise. He's not long-winded you know. like us. Yeah, he's not <laughs> like us at all with with going on and on about it. But he's really funny, and I like that he he brings a completely different perspective to the same material. I, I really like that, and I like listening to him because he you know I, he says that he listens to us for the same reasons we listen to him. Is I like to hear the stuff he catches that we missed and he says the same thing about us that we we catch stuff that he missed so i, I like that so between I, uh, the two of us we complete each other <laughs> he completes us but yeah that's uh that's all i got next time issue 55 story called pliff it's a fucking good one even though it sounds like the name the sound of a fart <laughs> pliff yeah, Sounds like a silent, girl fart. Si- a girl fart or a silent but deadly. Ha <laughs> <laughs>
Did you know you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows? That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Twotruefreaks.libson.com is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot Libson, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. You can find me, Scott Gardner, both on Twitter and Facebook. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T. G-A-R-D-N-E-R Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. We are also members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check it out at www.comicspodcasts.com where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. Thanks for listening. Join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U. I don't care. We could say something about what like this. What are you doing a, after this? Um, nothing. Nothing at all, man. I was just all gonna right, go sit can, in a corner and just sort of. Else afterward. Yeah, we could. And what? I was just sit gonna in a corner go, and jerk off. What? I wasn't even gonna jerk off, man. I was just gonna stare. Oh, okay. Just gonna play with yeah. it. Just, just gonna look at it a little bit. Okay. That's cool. Admire. <laughs> Fucking weirdo. I'm telling Admire. you, man. You, <laughs> you know, just a side story. There was this weird, like. You are recording. Oh yeah, there was this weird guy that always you used to show up at our concerts, and he was just this really quiet guy. And he would would always just be be there, and sometimes he would have a girlfriend for a little while, and she would show up. And, uh, and he admired your unit. One time he got really drunk, and our drummer Barb was talking to him, and uh, she said, "She said I I noticed you don't have a girlfriend here, but you've had all these girlfriends lately. What's going on?" And he was just really drunk, and he looked at her, and goes, "Well, I just have a very handsome penis." And then he went back to his beer. <laughs> and and the band actually thought of making him a t-shirt of that for for a while. We were going to make him a handsome penis t-shirt. Actually, handsome penis sounds like a band name. Yeah, doesn't or, or, or it sounds that. like a kind of beer, like a microbrewery, like <laughs> handsome something, penis yeah, stout, you know. <laughs> get it in Australia. I like a of uh, penis beer. Penis. Uh, we drank 14 <laughs> quarts of handsome like penis. Some foreign brew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh-oh. Did I drop out? No, you're still there.